0: In the name of the Lord of life, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. 1,420 years ago this autumn, Pope Gregory the Great commissioned Prior Augustine of the Monastery of St. Andrew upon the Callian Hill, now known as St. Gregoria al to set off with a conclave of 40 companions to evangelize the Anglia, the provincial Anglo-Saxons at the end of the world. This past Wednesday evening, Pope Francis and Archbishop Justin returned to their predecessor's beloved St. Gregoria and co-led a Vesper service to commission 19 pairs of Anglican and Roman Catholic bishops around the theme of walking together to promote Christian unity in a divided world. An extraordinary 48 hours in Rome. Carol Graham and David Farron and I went as your representatives and joined in the 40 or 50 people from across the states who were to mark the 50th anniversary along with people from across the globe. A celebration of the founding of the Anglican Center when Archbishop Michael Ramsey and Pope Paul VI as heads of their respective churches met for the first time since the Reformation. A pivotal, an important, and extraordinary moment. The Archbishop preached a homily based on words from the prophet Ezekiel, which could be said to evoke the same time and context of our passage this morning from Jeremiah. In each vision, we hear that we are The sheep, and our shepherd is God Himself. The Archbishop remarked In that belief is all our hope. In that utterance that God is our shepherd is our certainty that the Church will live through all its struggles and vicissitudes, for the Good Shepherd finds, cares, judges, but restores. Words of prophecy compel us to look forward. While we rejoice that our good shepherd is the one who rescues, we also know that we, each of us, all of us, every Christian, is called to be his feet and hands and mouth. We are the mouth that calls, the hands that pick up, the feet that cross any obstacle to find the lost sheep and bring it home. Taking Justin's words to heart alongside our own lives, Jesus asks each of us, as we travel through life day by day, to see the power of God's love firsthand, not only through him, but in ourselves and in others. Ultimately, Jesus addresses God's love to the alienated, the estranged, the unloved, and the unlovely right alongside the successful of the world right alongside the beautiful and anyone else who needs help like each of the ten lepers we are a collection of reluctant hard-headed broken people the very ones God wants to save we are still the ones that raise compassion in Jesus then and now he honors and welcomes us each by name and offers a new way forward. This morning, the household of God opens its doors anew to indeed honor and welcome three new members named Charlotte, Edith, and Scarlet. Through the sacred rites of baptism, their stories begin. Yet in the story Of the ten lepers, the age-old question remains for new and old Christians alike. Now that you have tasted, seen, and received salvation, what are you going to do about it? With such an abundant possibilities revealed for each leper, why does only one return to thank Jesus? What happened to the other nine? It is possible that rather than being ungrateful, they simply got preoccupied. They rushed home to greet family and friends. They actually followed Jesus' orders to celebrate their miraculous restoration to health with the priests. Some might have longed to put the whole experience of leprosy far behind them. Still others may have been afraid to proclaim Jesus' part in their healing. All of these reasons for failing to return are understandable, but ultimately they are well beside the point. In our own lives, we may wish to examine the reasons we have for failing to remember the source of our own healings, of our own grace given. How can we moderate What distracts us from recognizing the gifts we have been given? How can we make it a priority to return to acknowledge God's saving power in our lives? St. Luke uses a Samaritan yet again to teach us about the proper response to God's everyday's blessing Of the ten, only the Samaritan recognizes the course of his healing. Freed of leprosy that bound him to the nine others, he comes to Jesus who represents a new life of faith. In the Samaritan's unabashed praise of God and his recognition of God's power in Jesus, Luke is giving his readers not simply another miracle story, but a model Of faith. When the Samaritan returns to Jesus, he unconsciously follows the footsteps of those before him century after century, but he also forges a path for those like us who come after. He echoes the words of the 66th Psalm, be joyful in God, all you lands, sing the glory of his name, sing the glory of his praise. The gospel account of Jesus healing the ten lepers remains good news. There is transformation and healing and ministry alive at the truest levels. We are offered healing for all of our diseases, dysfunctions, and idiosyncrasies. And yet, there is bestowed upon us a great privilege to bring that love to others as well. In his declaration to the Vatican on Friday morning when the Pope and the Archbishop met to announce their common declaration beyond what they had done on Wednesday, the Archbishop stood forth and said, Your Holiness, on behalf of the peoples of the world, Parenthetically, not just Anglicans, not just Catholics, the peoples of the world. Jesus has gone before us. He calls us to be courageous. Let us walk closer together so the world sees new life and energy in the church's worship, mission, and ministry. Let us, wish, let us witness for the world so that above all, the world sees Christ shining ever more brightly. In an ancient proverb held up sustainingly and equally by all the Abrahamic religions, wherever your eye moves, God remains with you. Wherever your foot takes a step, God accompanies your journey. Amen.